about, oh, we got made too many errors. Well, we actually didn't make as many errors today as we've made. We, we gave ourselves a chance. The problem is, is that now nah, it only takes a couple. And, uh, and that's what happened. And this team's too good to do that against. Welcome back to another episode of One of These Years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I am Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. You can find us on the Athletic app ad-free, as well as uh, everywhere else you listen to podcasts, uh, Apple, Google Play, Spotify. Um, make sure you get over to theathletic.com, subscribe, rate us, review us as a podcast, let us know what you think. You just heard again from Dan Campbell there, speaking after Sunday's loss to the Rams, which... Uh, Man, I, that was that felt like being at a college game. Frankly, wow, <laughs> like, yeah, it did. I hadn't thought about it like that. That's <laughs> like the crowd was like sixty huh. forty Rams fans, the Lions fans. Yeah. Like it just had that feel of like Air Force trying to knock off yeah, someone right. or something. Like I don't <laughs> know who the so- col- who the annoying college team is. That, you know, right, think, but that's what it felt like being at that game. <laughs> like like Air Force trying to knock off like a. a- a contender that's like not really Oklahoma sure if it's a contender yeah. yet. <laughs> a nervous, a nervous contender. Uh, yeah, I didn't think that's actually a thousand percent what it was, and uh, that's kind of how it played out. But um, definitely not boring, Chris. I don't. I, I <laughs> no. mean, we talked about it last week. Where like Stafford could throw like eight touchdowns in this game, of course, right? Like it could happen <clears throat> if they don't play well. But I think in the back of everyone's head, you at least considered. That, um, and we said at the end of last week's show, like, it's not impossible for them to just go throw, like, a bunch of sand in the gears, mess it up, and see, uh, what happens. And that's exactly how this one played out. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to talk about with this one, especially off the top. Um, and I want to, I want to touch on this because I think we both touched on it when we, when we wrote off this. Uh, and you were there, of course. And the, the, the messages that Campbell and the staff are sending, especially after last week. Uh, you know, they played so poorly against Cincinnati. They come into this game. Everybody, you know, the Rams are good. Everybody knows this. We're not, we don't have to unpack all that again. Uh, they get back up. The message seems to be getting through in a lot of areas, just like Chris are 0 7, but I mean, the, the mood is the same as it was, I think, when the year started um, with a couple bumps in the road, but not really anything that crazy. And I think when you look at the, the bigger picture thing, that's still the biggest silver lining here. And I think it's much, you know, it's worth. Noting, if nothing else, and also you, know, you have to point out that the mistakes are there, but like they are really up against it here, and I think Dan Campbell's staff continues to sort of acquit itself really well. Yeah, I mean that energy for sure is there, and I think we talked about last week. That was one of the things kind of curious to see because it wasn't there for the first time really since Cam- Campbell got hired in yeah, that right, Bengals yeah. game. You know, they just did not show up for that game, and so you're kind of curious to see how they're going to respond. They were. 16 and a half point underdogs or whatever it was a game which that, is crazy for an NFL game right. by the way <laughs> like, I mean, but it Jesus. was a game where you could have shown up and just like all right we don't have a chance forget it we'll just get home next week and we'll worry about yeah. then but you know they threw that early touchdown pass to Swift and then when they recovered that onside kick I, I mean I don't know how much the TV broadcast showed the bench went berserk <laughs> when they recovered that onside <laughs> kick you like guys jumping yeah. up and down and waving towels and like hopping on each other's shoulders. Yeah. I mean, that's what, when I say it, it felt like a college game like that. Legitimately felt like like Pat Fitzgerald getting a yeah. fourth down stop <laughs> and just when, like high fiving everyone. I think there was a shot there or after the fake punt um, when. They had the bench, and that's when I kind of, yeah. It was like, oh, my God. They're, like, running onto the field, and all I could yeah. think was Stafford has to be f- so furious over there right now. <laughs> like, what the hell's going on? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right. And they showed McVeigh, I think, uh, after the second fake punt, yeah. which he said that they were <laughs> yeah they were I defending, mean, defending against, and yeah. they still got 20 yards, and he was just like, well, what, what the oh, hell is man. that? What is this? <laughs> like, what is this game? Uh and so, yeah, I mean, I think that that was, I mean, it, like you said, the the silver lining is that they're playing hard. The the con of it is that was their, they took their best shot at the Rams and lost by nine or whatever it was. And so, you know, that's still, you know, you still get back to the reality of, as we heard Campbell say there, you know, like you can count on one hand the number of really bad mistakes. There was a third and 10, like right after third and whatever, right after AJ Parker got hurt 
And the Lions brought a blitz and didn't get home. And Stafford just did his little, you know, casual like 50-yard flick down the field to Cooper Cup against Daryl Worley. It flipped the field in the second half. Uh, there was the third and one and fourth and one where they ran up the middle back-to-back and didn't move the line at all and uh, turned it over on downs. And there was the Goff pick, which I, I don't want to spend a whole other show talking about Jared Goff, but I feel like we need to, need to unpack that play a little bit because... Campbell and Goff were pretty adamant afterwards that they had the look they wanted, that he threw the ball where they wanted it to go, and just basically, you know, Aaron Donald, that was Aaron Donald's best rep of the day on a day that they did a pretty damn good job against Aaron Donald, comes through and blows it up, and uh, Brock Wright runs something of a wrong route. I'm not sure exactly where he was supposed to go, but it sounded like he didn't go where they wanted him to, and it ends up in an interception. So... I don't know that play. I, what's what's your take on sort of how the, they've explained yeah. it and how it played out and what, what well, you saw live and I all mean, that. I think two things can be true. I can understand that they said they got what they wanted, although you know, like we said, like you said, with Wright's route. I think you you could critique maybe they were not spaced. I think Mark Sanchez pointed that on the broadcast. Like maybe you want a little more spacing there between those two guys, um, so it wasn't as easy to undercut. Like maybe you wanted you know for Ramsey, but moreover. Like, I do think it's bad quarterback play, and I think it's a bad decision on Goff's part to, to throw the ball because – and it's a tough one, right? This is me This is me being really critical now. I'm not being like, you know, like, sure, a, right. like a whatever. This is like – and but this is starting quarterback stuff. You're trying to beat an NFL playoff contender on the road, like in the fourth quarter. This is the stuff you got to do. So Aaron Donald beats Jonah Jackson in a, like a hiccup. Nobody knows – no quarterback in the NFL, I wouldn't think – has watched Aaron Donald do that more than Jared Goff standing on the sidelines. He would know right, what Aaron Donald can do to people. So he beats him in a blink. It happens. It's second and 10, and you are in the red zone. And it's, uh, I believe at this point, it's a six-point game. It's yep. second and 10. You're in the red zone on the 12. Take the sack. Take the sack. It's third and whatever. Cut it down. Kick the field goal and live to keep playing. That's what the Lions are doing. Live to keep playing. You have to do – that's how the game has to go – and you have to be able to take your shots when you take them, and you have to be able to not take them when necessary. And I think that's the thing Campbell and Goff really are still learning because Campbell said it too with the you know the fourth and um, the one this the Swift that he yep. you know immediately was like my bad I screwed that up. I think he is still sort of like you know walking that line of when to pull the trigger and when not to because it's really hard with this team. You just it's really hard, and I think to to defend Goff on that. On a better team, you tell him, throw it. Because maybe your guys down there can go make a play against Jalen Ramsey. On this team, you got to take the sack. And I think that that's kind of the weird, crazy, awkward line they're walking here that I don't want to fault him too bad for you know throwing the ball there. But it's like the situation that the Lions are in. And I got to tell you, as we look at this thing, and, and we're going to see how it goes forward, but I think the way that they are going to build this offense the situation of how they want to run offense, you're probably never really want to, you're going to want to throw that ball. You're going to want to be, I think, more conservative than let's just take a chance to throw it up in the air and see what happens against Jalen Ramsey. I would never want that. To, you know, so like, yeah. Well, that's they my, never, they yeah. Ne- that was the other thing. They never do that. They right, don't exactly. take those chances. I mean, if you look at that play even, right. you had the way that the, I mean, I'm assuming they knew the safety, the safety started down. Mm-hmm. Closer to the line and then rotated up right, high yeah, and exactly. over to Hawkinson's side. And I'm assuming, especially the way Campbell explained it, they knew that was coming or they saw it coming. Like that wasn't a surprise that the safety was there. Brock Wright was supposed to run him off that route and open up right, a window yeah. somewhere. It never opened up, but open up a window, yeah. window right, somewhere yeah, right. for Hawkinson. <laughs> so on that play, the way it's set up, you had uh, you had DeAndre Swift releasing out of the backfield against the linebacker. You had to your left, Khalif Raymond one-on-one against, I forget which other, not Jalen Ramsey. It I forget which Ramsey, cornerback guy, it was, yeah. but not Jalen Ramsey. Uh, so you had some other matchups there, and it's just interesting that that was the moment that they said, we we want to take a shot here, uh, and we like this Hawkinson against Ramsey matchup because that, as much as, as as really good as TJ Hawkinson is, that's right. going to be a tough matchup, even yeah. if everything goes right there. And you saw Ramsey basically ran, ran the route for him. The ball kind of floated in there, and, and you get the pick. So, yeah, I mean, I think there are still four and a half minutes left. You kick a few goal there, and like you right. said, it's just 
two time everything about that game even at the start you know they get up 10 like they're just trying to buy time basically to get yeah. to the fourth corner stealing, and have a chance stealing possessions yeah. that's all they're doing and, yeah. and so that yeah i mean that's a tough one um they again they were pretty adamant that it wasn't really on golf and i, I you know, I don't know how much you can do. I know there probably maybe there wasn't time to get to read number two and number three because yeah. Aaron Donald was in there so quickly. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just and I hate that it ended like that for him because I thought he played right. well. I thought he yeah. played well. Yep. I did. Well, you well mentioned enough, it. I mean, anyway, I think you know. it was you wrote it. I, like I think that was was that the best we've seen from him? Yeah, this I year think so. I think it was. I mean, maybe the second half of the 49ers game, but I think in terms of the number of times that he stood in there against pressure and and got through progressions, he threw the like he had the really nice throw, uh, the diving catch Khalif Raymond made. Yeah, that was really good. Raymond could not stop talking about what a good throw that was. But I thought the better one from him was he stepped up with some pressure coming and just drilled one over the middle of the field to Raymond yeah. that ended up being like a 35-yarder. So he had a handful of those that we haven't seen. And then, yeah, like you said, it still ends with, oh, well, why'd your call right. do that? And you're back <laughs> at the start. So... I mean, the one to Raymond over the middle, I think, was one where he looked off like three. I mean, it was like three progression checks, and it was like almost to his number four, it felt like. I mean, there was a couple in there that was – and like you said, I mean, he's attacking the middle. He's making that throw down the sideline that we've seen him do before, right, that we've talked about where we're like, hey, we've seen this from Goff. Like, why can't he do it again? And it's like, hey, well, okay, there it was. And then you see him go over the middle, and you see him do some things. So I'm stepping up into the pocket against the rush, not getting so deep, right? And I, I think that helped the tackles. That helped the offensive line. Um, I actually thought, you know, I saw people criticizing his throw to Swift on the screen pass. I, I think there's other weeks where he's taking a sack or throwing it into the ground. I think he did. I think he listened and heard Campbell's message. I, because well, I think what Campbell was trying to tell him was, you know, after that Cincinnati game, like, man, we don't need you to be 40 of 50 for 400 yards and four touchdowns. <laughs> right. We just need you to yeah. in the six to eight windows in this game where we need you to be a fucking first round quarterback we need you to do it like we need you to make six to eight (laughs) plays that are like big time and then for the rest of the game we need you to be smart and we need you to you know let the line take care of you let's you know let's let Aaron Glenn's defense do its thing and let's not you know put ourselves in situations where we can't get out of them because Campbell said at the top, like, this is the game where they didn't make all the errors, right? And we say, yeah. when we say all the errors, like, you guys have seen the Lions play. We mean it. All, every error, right? Like, they've had those games. But this is the one against a team like this where if you do make two or three, you're not going to win because of the situation with the Lions roster. I would argue, though, against other teams, Chris, I think that if you get away with two or three and you keep playing hard like this, maybe that's what you sell the team is, like, you're going to get wins against teams not as good like this if you play like that. It's just against a team like this, you know, those little situations like we're talking about with golf, they have to be better. And I think that that's still where you challenge him is that whole game was better and it was the best he's played all year. And then from a confidence standpoint, he bounced back from everything. I mean, if he had a bad throw, he came right back, right? It didn't seem like he was lagging or maybe it was the Rams thing, whatever. I'm interested to see if that carries over. But, you know, I mean, that's also Jared Goff. I think that when Campbell said he was good enough for us to win with, uh, you know, that's what I would say is accurate. I don't know how much better he's getting than that. And that's probably another conversation. But for right here and now, <laughs> right, yeah, I, you know, you have to be encouraged because I think that was good. And I think the locker room is probably encouraged, too, because Goff was there for it. He fought for him. Um, and even the mistake at the end is a mistake, but it wasn't a mistake of you know, like scared or flinching or whatever. He just, he took a chance on with one of his guys and it didn't work. So I don't even know how much you hate on that, right? So like in the locker room, I think he probably helped himself a ton in this game too. And uh, we'll see, we'll see where it all goes. But that that felt like a really good day for Jared Goff and a loss. Um, and we haven't said that a lot this year. Yeah, I again, like the interception is just, it, I mean, on every play against the Rams, I would think you're finding Aaron Donald and finding Jalen Ramsey and figuring out how to get away from them on those plays. And then that one, they decided to test him and, you know, they didn't block Donald very well. And so it happened. The one to Swift that he missed that oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Swift took the blame for on that one. But like those little ones to me, you know, that was the Swift. Yeah, that's another came one. out of the backfield. Uh, 
you know, we've seen him take that that little angle route a ton where he takes it back into the middle of the field and, and gets on the linebacker and, it, you know, he just shreds people. He took that one wider and there was no one on defense. Like that was a walk-in touchdown. And uh, Goff threw it where he thought he was going. Those, to me, are the ones that are, I guess, a little more troubling because they seem to keep popping up. with And with guys like Swift and Hawkinson, where it's like, well, we're not on the same page. Okay. But you know what, it's though? It's seven weeks, yeah. and it's your best players on <laughs> offense. So maybe we need to figure this out but a little bit. I would counter. I liked Swift's answer to the question that you that you yeah. should. Like, when he said, I'll take it. I'll, that's me. Yep. I need to get out there. And just cut the decision out for him. I'll make it for him. He wa- Swift is the best player on this team. Go be the best player on this team. That I thought that was the best answer I heard of the whole day when you said that. I think you slide that to me or whatever after the game. Yeah. Swift took blame for that, and here's why. And I was like, well, he's listening. Because that was probably Goff's fault. <laughs> and Swift has the ability to fix that for him, to cut the drag and be, a, you know, and I thought that was a great answer. So Yeah, I think he yeah. said, I think his specific wording was he needs to have firm feet there, where he just yeah. needs to get to that spot where he sort of was and plant and just let Goff throw it to him and then I'll worry about where to take yeah. it, where the open space is. Like, don't try to lead Goff into the open space because that's maybe one step too far right now for that yeah. relationship. You know, uh-huh. just get the ball and then deal with it. So I think I you're like right. That. I think that was a good... Uh, Probably a good moment of leadership, too, from DeAndre Swift. They big, had a long yeah. talk on the bench, Goff and Swift, and it mm-hmm. ended with Swift sort of, I tweeted it out, like he patted his chest. I mean, we were, the press box there. You guys thought they are going to fight? It's like 800 <laughs> miles in the air. But oh, I mean, no, I, I mean, I, I just like, I couldn't tell, like, I, I mean, you. I think he was saying it was my fault, but right, I, right, 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 you know, yeah. I'm guessing from my binoculars up in the stratosphere. I, yeah, I like, think that's a big moment for Swift. Uh, that was a big but, day for him, too, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's, I think we can talk about that too, because as we, like, this is, uh, you're looking for sort of markers of development this season and guys that you can really hang your hat on moving forward. And DeAndre Swift right now looks like one of, I mean, they're not giving him enough touches to really throw him into this category, but, you know, they sort of talked coming over about like how the Saints used Alvin Kamara. He looks Swift looks like one of the best running backs in football when they get him in the ball right now. He is just they cannot teams cannot defend him when they use him the way he, they're capable of using him. And like the third down and one and fourth down and one is probably not the best example of that. But otherwise, I mean, what else can he do right now? He has been great the last few weeks. I'll bet you a dollar that Anthony Lynn and or Dan Campbell pulled him aside some point after that game on Sunday or Monday and said, you play like that every day in practice and every Sunday, and we will use you like Alvin Kamara until your legs fall off. And I think that is why his touches (laughs) haven't been, because I think that's what it's been. I think we've seen it for seven, eight weeks now, longer, into camp, into the offseason. I think Campbell and Anthony Lynn and Deuce Staley, all of them, uh, put together, they knew how talented Swift was from the very beginning, right when they got here. And I think they also knew that he was a young player who might have been feeling himself a little bit, and they wanted to make sure that he, and because he is a good, hardworking, smart, all the things we talked about last year. I mean, all the guys he worked with at Georgia, the talent he's been around his whole career, all the way back to when he was in Philly at uh, Brendan's alma mater there, St. Joe's Prep. I mean, like, Swift's a good player, and he knows football <laughs> And he can be one of those guys, but I think he's still a really young guy who probably does need a kick in the ass now and again to be like, well, you can do this all the time, but you need to do it literally all the time. And you can be one of these like superstars. And I do wonder when I hear him talk like that after that, you know, game about, look, I can help the team like that. I can just fix mistakes. I can make it, I can take care of it for us. I can pick up spots where maybe we're not, Swift's never been in a situation like this. And I think that that's also important to know. Like most of the teams he's ever, all the teams he's ever played on have been good. He's never had to be in a spot where his quarterback maybe isn't elite to where he can't get him the ball. Right. So it's like, Hey, I got, I'll I'll fix it. And I think that those are little things for Swift that I've tried to watch, you know, throughout the year. Like what's, you know, if he makes a mistake here, is it, is it happening again? Is, you know, what's the body language here? Is it better? And it's been better and better and better. And I think, Sunday was clearly the best he's played, uh, probably in the biggest stage he's had, you know, this season and probably in the NFL. And yeah, I think if you're the Lions staff, man, you just go to him after that and be like, do it again. And we will just do this and do this and do this until you're a pro bowler, because that's how 
you know, I don't know how else to say it. He's their best offensive weapon right now by a hundred miles. So yeah. <laughs> keep doing yeah. it. Yeah, I mean. well, so a few things for me, like I, Campbell mentioned it after the game, and this is something that we, I don't know, we kind of forget about, but he said, you know, this is almost like, maybe he said it Monday. I This is almost like another rookie season for DeAndre Swift because last year was such a mess uh, in all the, all the ways. Uh, and so he's still learning what it takes week in and week out in this league. And I'm just looking at, I mean, yards after the catch in the league, in the league, he is a he-, he is the most by more than a hundred yards over the number two player right now. Yeah, he he's impossible four, to tackle. Four hundred and twenty-two like- yards after the catch, he's averaging ten yards yeah, after really the good. catch per reception. Which, like the seventy sixty-five yarder, whatever it was on Sunday, helped. But Cooper Cup's number two with three hundred twenty-one yards. And then you have like Debo Samuel, Travis Kelsey, Jamar Chase, and Swift is just lapping the field right now. Uh, and so uh, it's insane the, how good he's been in those spots. Uh, and then the other flip side of it, I guess the thing that worries you, maybe not even worries you, but the thing that you need to unlock a little bit more is he's still averaging like three and a half yards per carry. And so that's probably the next step, right? Like how oh, do yeah. you get that? to come along the way the receivings come along. So that's where it's at because it's like, you know, the biggest criticism in that fourth and one was do it with Williams because Swift is not at that place yet where, you know, he's putting a show. I mean, sometimes he does. Or run so, something else. <laughs> yeah, or run something else. Fair enough. And I, But I would also note that there are times where, you know, DeAndre put his shoulder down and he'll run somebody over. Like, and it's like, what the hell was that? Like, I mean, I think it was. Uh, he did it again. It was Sunday, this, this yeah. game, right? Sunday. He's done he it ran, twice in a row, I think. Yeah. Ran a guy's ass right over. And you're like, okay. Like, he actually, you know, that he can do that. A little bit of that. So. But like you said earlier, like the thing that Campbell kept noting, like it's not all the way there yet. And like they can't totally uncut, you know, the ropes on him and just turn him into Kamara because Kamara can do everything. You don't have to take him off the field. He's the short yardage, the guy in the, out of the backfield that can catch. You can run routes in the slot. Like as a receiver, I think Swift is basically there. <laughs> I mean, I do. I think he is terrific as a out of the backfield playmaker uh, we've seen what he does, and we've talked about this a hundred times on this show. You know his ability to kind of catch the ball, bring it to his body without losing any speed, and then make cuts and shifts again in space without losing any speed. That low to the ground is like very, very difficult to deal with in space. So he has all of that, but yeah, I mean, I think right now you're still looking at like, are you disciplined enough, sort of between the tackles with your eyes, and then are you making everything you can on some of those? outside runs because I think Williams makes everything he can. I think that's the thing with Jamal Williams. It's like, I think they actually had the stat on the broadcast, like the percentage of runs that he's had over the last three years for first downs is crazy. It's like one of the best in the, in the NFL, because if you block a play for five yards, Jamal Williams gets five yards and Swift sometimes still doesn't. And I think that that's probably the piece there that you're, you're, you're still really examining and it's hard. And that's why we always advocate like play them both <laughs> together. Right. Right. Yeah. Because you can get the best of both worlds, but, um, yeah, man, that was a really good day from him. Jeez, I mean, he was – they couldn't do anything with him. I mean, like, they, there was nothing they could do with him. I mean, and and he was that, like, sort of threat you thought through the whole game. Like, if they could just find a way to get him one more crack here, you know, right. maybe they get right yeah. back in this. And and to have a guy like that, i got to tell you, that feels a little different. I mean, we knew that he could do that a little bit last year, but we also knew that Patricia was going to refuse to use it. So at least now, <laughs> right, like, it seems like it's possible, right. and that's kind of encouraging. Yeah, I, the third and one and fourth and one did that. Like, if anything that happened Sunday, those are the plays that stood out sure, for me yeah. as pretty ob- obnoxious. Yeah, frankly. that's a good like, way to because say I it, think, yeah. like you said, Jamal Williams, and you don't want to be, you know, you, you don't want to be super predictable and just third and one. Here comes Williams. We're going to run up the middle because that, right. no. like, you're going to have problems with that too. But. If you're going to take two cracks at that thing and want to run on both of them and you want to stay between the tackles with your backup center against Aaron Donald, that's probably a spot for Jamal Williams. And if Swift's going to be in there, maybe you try and stretch the field a little bit more and let him get to the corner or put his, you know, he's much more effective to this point in his career when he can run those, you know, outside zone type looks and put his foot in the ground and find a hole and go and you only needed one there so uh that's a pretty tough ask for a defense to stop him going sideline to sideline uh so the the play calls there and i think it was curious that you mentioned 
Campbell said, well, that's on me. That's what I wanted to run there. And I think that's really the first time, you know, we knew he's been saying, well, let's go for it on fourth down. And I kind of curious to follow up on that comment from him because he made it sound like he called that play specifically, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It didn't sound like Anthony Lynn said, let's run it back again. Let's flip the, they basically just uh, flip the, flip the field, you know, flip the direction yeah. they ran the motion. Right. Uh, and ran the exact same play. It sounded like Campbell said, we can get it. Let's do it. Run it back again. The exact same thing. Exact same thing. And that's kind of interesting, yeah. too. <laughs> that's yeah. an interesting moment wonder, for Dan Campbell. I wonder how much that does or doesn't happen. That was my first kind of thought. Like, how many times has he done that? You know, like, I mean, he said a couple times that that's been right. on me or whatever. Right. But I'm I'm starting to wonder, like, I do have my wonders. And, of course, I have all – I know that this is the case. He does this. And I think he does it on purpose. He gives those coordinators so much autonomy uh, in public and everywhere else. But you know that offensively, Campbell is very involved, I think, with Anthony Lynn and everything they're doing. And I do wonder sometimes, like, what that sort of conversation is. But, yeah, no, that that definitely was one where it seemed like he – and they had that one in the um, – which game was it earlier in the year where people got mad that they were – Going for it instead of kicking field goals. Um, uh, it was a similar situation. Happened where they, a few times. <laughs> yeah, I guess it did. Yeah, where uh, they tried, where they tried to go back out and just hurry, hurry, run it, and just flip the play and do it again, right? And it was like, do it as fast as you can and see if you can do it. And Campbell's rationale, I think, there was like, I thought to myself, like, if you're going to do it, if you're going to go for it right now and try to go get the game, do it right now. And that right. was his sort of, which we've talked about that too. Um, you know, that whole part of it where it's like, I talked about that at the top, like, I think that's still a balance for Campbell because you measured that game so well and it almost felt like you should have waited a little bit longer and you didn't and you cost yourself. And maybe that's hindsight, but it's, you know, that's tough too. I don't know. Well, I, hard one. I still think that there are some moments and I think this is, again, you know, we keep talking about this coaching staff doing a really good job and especially like Aaron Glenn's been, I think, has done great. Mm, yeah. But this is still, for as young as this roster is oh yeah they're all brand new <laughs> i mean this is the first time they're doing this for i mean campbell took over that dolphins job for a few games as an interim coach but this is God, you know yeah. the first time anthony lynn hasn't been a coordinator like ever no one <laughs> year I think, yeah. one, you know he just has like a little bit of experience in that specific role campbell this is the first time he's done this glenn first time he's done that so they're gonna have these moments that i think they're yeah. probably learning from. And I think that Dan Campbell has some moments, and that was one of them, <laughs> where he just just the competitive juices kind of take over for him. And he's like, yeah. Let's we're gonna go win this game by kicking him in the teeth. And you know then, what I wanna know? <laughs> you know what I wanna know is what Anthony Lynn told him on the phone after that <laughs> call blew up. He's probably like, What do you think about that now? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mind the call to go for it. I mean, I know uh, a lot of no, people wanted either. the point, you know, take yeah. the points, get the lead back, just continue extending point. it. I didn't yeah. mind going for it. You're down by one. You're at the 20, whatever it was. Like, I thought it made some sense. I didn't like, as yeah, we run, just said, I agree with you. Run a different hurrying point. up there, running the exact same thing when it didn't work, using Swift again. Like, you've got uh, Brock Wright in motion. I don't think he's drawn, pulling anyone's eyes away from anything. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, nice. I mean, I think the play call there is more... The question, but yeah, it's I feel it was like, one of those like, interesting press conference moments for me. Do you feel like that was a moment sometimes where because I feel like this happens with Campbell? <clears throat> do you feel like that was a moment where sometimes he um almost like loses sight of like the reality of what the team like what he has to go against here? Like I feel like there are times like that where he's like, screw it. Like I don't give a <laughs> shit. We're gonna go do it. Like I don't care. We're doing it. and I feel like sometimes that is happening. Yeah, and I don't know if I hate it, but right now I also don't know if I love it because it's like, eh, you know, like you, <laughs> I, well, it's hard, man. Like it's really hard. I don't. know. I What's think a lot. I don't know. Like I said, I think some of it is that he gets like there are maybe times where he gets a little caught up in the moment, but I also yeah. think some of this is just like that's the mentality he wants. He doesn't oh, yeah. want to kick a field goal, even when this team is like. Four years from now, if they yeah. get this to where they want it, he is not going to want to kick a field goal on fourth and one no from the opponent's 20-yard line. That's Never. just not going to be what this team is. And I think, for the they most cut, part, you love that. I mean, I cut you, two kickers in camp, folks. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be – I think you want to be on the aggressive side oh, of yeah. things, uh, especially <laughs> knowing how hard it is to win games with 
field goals in the NFL. Yeah. Like you want to be that team that's really taking it to other teams. But again, for me, it just that was one. Yeah, I I do. I wish I could remember what game you're talking about because I I yeah, know I exactly the moment you're talking about where because after the game he said I wish we would we would have we would have taken our time we would have called timeout we would have run something different yeah, there we still would have gone for it but we would have run something yeah, yeah right, I think yeah. it was the Bears game I think yeah. you're right and yeah right it was the Bears game because so. they rushed they threw the incompletion out to yeah. St. Brown yeah it was that play just no reason um, but this has happened a few times they got stuffed in the. You know, they missed the fourth down in the Packers game. I think they got stuffed once by the Ravens, maybe. So, I don't know. I think I still think you want to be aggressive there. But, yeah, I mean, just the Swift-Williams conversation, like, that's what Jamal Williams is here for, basically. Oh, yeah. Like, so, I think that one, like, there are still these coaching mistakes, I think, that happen from time to time with this staff, which I think you live with some of those, too. Yeah, and it's like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just... I do. I think you live with some of those because there's a there's a line they have to walk. We talked about that. Like, uh, like that's one where I don't think your guys would have been like, "What are you doing, man?" If you didn't go for it. So, like, that's one where I would say, right? Yeah. I, you know, I, I would I would understand if you want to be more conservative there. But there are times where like having faith in them, like the onside kicks and the fake punts, like that's the stuff that we're talking about. I think where like you like that, like. He's willing, Campbell is willing to do everything. And I think that, and he's willing to do it all. Uh, and if that means onside kicking and missing it in the first quarter against the Rams, getting your ass kicked because of it, because you are trying everything for your guys, then I think that the guys are going to be in for it. Like, I, And I think that that's what this has shown, that they just keep they just keep fighting. over. I mean, the, the only time we've seen them really kind of not have it, and it really was from the start, was the Cincinnati game. But, like, that's where I just, I there's so much going on here with Campbell's message to all the guys on the team right now, so many of them that aren't going to be here, but they need them to, you know, put in great work for them right now for people that are going to be here. Guys that are going to be here that they need to develop. Guys that are hurt that they need to stay on board. You know, like there's so many things that he has to thread here in this like ultimate hypothetical situation that we get into those like fourth and one sometimes and you're like, man, I almost feel like I want to give him a pass or whatever because he's yeah. really, really hard. Like they're not like other teams. I think that's the best way I would say it right now. The Lions are not like other NFL teams. So if you're watching an, the, them play and you're measuring the game like you would any other average NFL team, I think that's wrong. I think that's flawed. You have to take into account how bad their roster is right now, especially with this injury situation. Like they don't have a chance in some of these spots. The fact that they outgained the Rams in, in yeah, that game right. is crazy. That they kept Stafford <laughs> more or less. They did what they wanted to, I think, to Stafford. Like, like, I mean, I think these guys are doing all they can and the situation is really, really bad. And the more I think about it, the more I remember how horrible the previous uh, GM coach was. And I think that's where I'll leave, I'll leave that at that. But like, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, it's hard to judge Campbell on some of these calls right now, I think, because there's so many things going on with them in every single game and every second of every game is like the most important second of every day, right? It's just nuts. So yeah, they're not like other teams. I think that's the biggest message I would give to people still as you watch this. And you know that, but you know, it, it's, it's easy to forget that, I think. I guess, do we need to talk about Stafford at all? Do people still care? I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, think it's they just, do. I think they care. It's, uh, I, yeah. I, I, it was really interesting to be out there for this game, and I knew it would be, but yeah. there were just so many Lions fans there. I mean, right before he hit that, Stafford hit the deep ball, the Cooper Cup in the third quarter, there was an audible Let's Go Lions chant going. There was a whole really? group of Lions fans in the end zone that were standing up and trying to make noise uh, while the Rams offense was out there. Like They were uh, interesting. there. They were there. <laughs> they were out there. A lot of them were there to see Stafford. Um, you know, that stadium is... Uh, want to go down a stadium uh, rant here like uh, the stadium's incredible it's a it's a palace but it's also one of those new state you know the new yeah. stadiums where there's so many bells and whistles that mm -hmm. it like do we really need all this i mean and <laughs> i got this? there early <laughs> thinking all the lions fans were gonna huddle like around the rams tunnel waiting for stafford to come in and out and you can't get to oh right yeah the tunnel area unless you have the like million dollar tickets in the lower <laughs> 
15 <laughs> rows because every level there is like its own universe. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, so, uh, you, you know, like you have like, it's like, uh, man, oh what was that? It's <laughs> that movie where like, uh, they all lived on the on the train at the end of the world, and like all the poor people are at the back of the train. <laughs> oh God! Oh, you know yeah, what I'm talking, talking about? Yeah, like the yeah, Tilda yeah. Swinton was in. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, like all. Uh, and, it's like uh, Los Angeles like, in general. Then, so like uh, everyone, the city. Yeah. you gotta if you have upper deck tickets, you gotta go to the upper upper deck and just the stay there the for three hours. And we're gonna take all the people who spent money on the boxes down here and let them talk to the players. And it's, <laughs> oh my God! So that Perfect took away really, a little right? bit yeah. from it. I thought there'd be a little more of like just because yeah. there were a lot of Lions fans in that lower bowl area, but they all were pretty much Did condensed over by the. Were you surprised by that? Uh, not really. I mean, no. I think when Detroit teams play out on the West Coast, yeah, generally it, there's a lot of people there. I think that probably was a game people were planning to go to. Yeah, anyway. Before yeah. the staff <laughs> right. trade would have happened, but especially after. Um, but it was like in that second half, whenever the Lions made a play, it was louder than when like the crowd <laughs> was trying to get the Rams defense to make a play. Like you heard the Lions fans. And so I think that that was cool. And Stafford said it was cool to see, you know, all the number nine jerseys in attendance. But I also tweeted like there were a lot of Stafford jerseys, but there also were a lot of like, Calvin Johnson, mm-hmm. Barry Sanders, Spielman. I saw a Louis Delmas jersey. For I saw some a Jack Fox jersey <laughs> Fox, somewhere. Mulebach. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. and so it was yeah, very, they all showed up for this yeah, one. Everyone was there. <laughs> yeah, everyone like, um, But Stafford, you know, uh, it wasn't anything new for awesome. Matthew Stafford. Like you just, I mean, we haven't seen it now live this season that was the first time yeah. we we'd seen it live but you'd get the reminder of just how like Goff would make made that throw to Raymond and it was mm-hmm. like eye popping because like, oh he stepped up and he really put his yeah, weight into right. that one and he threw the fastball and then Stafford's like falling off his back foot and flicking it 50 yards mm-hmm. and like well this is a different caliber guy yeah and you kind of get the reminder watching him of just I tell you it was special, um, how special <clears throat> it is yeah it was pretty cool to watch I mean it was weird for sure but and I've I mean and we've watched I know you have to watch some Stafford and McVeigh stuff this year of course but I I don't know if I've watched a full game all the way like you know of yeah they of do the Rams some cool like stuff that. there <laughs> and and that was cool just because I mean at this point I'll just I mean I'm a Matthew Stafford fan I really like watching him play and have liked watching him play since he was at Georgia I mean he is a generational arm talent who if you I mean Chris and I I think are the same way if you know anything about football you know that this guy is different and what they've allowed him to do in that offense uh like he's doing everything he wants I mean they're you know McVeigh has sort of it looks like backed off just enough to where he's giving Stafford a lot of freedom to to make some checks and make some different calls and do some different things and they're letting him do I mean it just looks like he is all the things people were like, oh, everyone's making, you know, he's so mushy about how Stafford looks like he's in, in heaven. But it literally looks like he's kind of... So that was cool to see. I mean, it, it, he's finally getting a chance, I think, to work with a coach. Um, and I think Sanchez said that on the broadcast. And I think it maybe got... And he, he ended up apologizing <laughs> because he said the thing about Detroit. And yeah, he ended up right. saying, like, I miss... That was... He meant to say like he meant to say like us in the national media overlooked Stafford. <clears throat> but I think more important the thing to remember here is like Stafford is finally getting to work I think with a coach who is really 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 going to push him and challenge him like probably no coach he's ever had. I think that that's I think we can probably say that, right? Like I think that's fair to say not that every coach he's, he had in Detroit was bad, but I think that he's going to get pushed here offensively from like a creative standpoint, from a thinking standpoint, all the things that he is a nerd about um, to a level he's never been pushed. And he's at that point in his career where he's like maxed out. He's like, you know, he sees everything now. He's veteran Stafford. So it's when you get that sort of opportunity, um, pretty cool. You know, like, I mean, he, I, he passed John Elway right on the on the list. And uh, that's kind of what I... That's who he, I mean, he reminded me like an old John Elway a little bit in that game. I mean, he's in total command or like Peyton, total command of the offense. He knows what they're doing. Everyone and everything that is happening on the field is dictated on whatever decision or whatever he's making. I mean, everything, he has everything on a string. Now it's about whether he can go finish, right? But, you know, to see him have a chance, I think is, um, 
is pretty cool. And, you know, I th- you've been around him a long time and, and I would get your thoughts on that too. And you, you were there, I, or at least heard what he said after the game, but um, yeah, he's a really good football player and to get a chance to watch a really good football player play with a really good coach uh, should be fun for everybody. And if you liked Stafford at all, and a lot of people in Detroit did, uh, I think that you should be just fine, uh, you know, being happy for him in that situation too. Well, something you mentioned there was sort of the big takeaway for me, which is like just thinking back to, and I don't want to like slam his offensive coordinators or Daryl Bevel no, or anything, I, but right, look, yeah. thinking back to specifically the, the Daryl Bevel era because it was the most recent one, and we are like, oh man, they used some play action that game, <laughs> and like it's just right. now yeah. he's in that. It's not even that's the. I know people have really like. Uh, people talk about Cooper Cup like the lion, like he's the greatest receiver <laughs> in NFL history, and he's obviously a he's great receiver. But yeah, you know, right. Stafford had some guys in Detroit. Uh-huh. Obviously, uh-huh. you know, there, there wasn't like he was always without talent. But I think that that's really the thing. There were only little blips on the radar here where the play calling was was anywhere close to what yeah. he's using now. Like there, I know he was pretty happy for a while there in like the Jim Bob Cooter. Pre-Matt Patricia, Jim Bob Cooter era, <laughs> I think he started to feel pretty comfortable. And then Patricia came in and, and it's it. like, we're not doing any, you know, <laughs> we're going to tr- control the clock. And that <laughs> was over. And then Bevel came in and he ran the same, you know, the basically the same offense yeah. he's always run. And um, Stafford did some good things, but it's not like that's the thing that jumped out for me. And especially, like I said, that press box, I, I think it's the highest NFL press box I've ever sat in. It's way, uh, it's like. <laughs> That's a, that's something like then. the Ohio State uh, is yeah, up there, those... right? In college, like it's one of those that's way yeah. up. It's like Michigan basically State the all twenty two, yeah, right. and it's sort of in the corner of the end zone. So you're basically getting like the you know the coaches' film view of it, <laughs> and I think that was the thing that jumped out for me is just oh yeah, like how much they're using the guys they have around him to create things for him. Like the yeah. line, there were some of those moments there where. You know, they the Lions got to him a couple times. Okwara had the Julian Okwara had the the sack where they drew up a really nice blitz, really really nice pressure, and he came up the middle. But Aaron Glenn was trying some stuff, and it just like there's yeah. just too much going on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's too many options and too many guys to cover. And and to your point that we keep talking about, like I think they gave up a couple shot plays, but basically that whole game again was just about don't let's not lose this on one play. Let's just hang in there for as long as we possibly can. If we get two punts, that's a great day for us. Uh, And I think that they did that. But Stafford, watching that offense run, and especially some of that stuff they did, like down at the red zone, the cup where he motioned across and they threw it to him. Like, I mean, you're just not going to stop some of that stuff. Uh, And I think that that's really what jumped out to me. Like you're saying, just the... Uh, yeah, everything I, they're doing there is fun to watch right now. It is fun to watch, and I think that like his his ownership of it is just kind of cool, you know. Like his uh, McVay IDing him as a "You are one of the best quarterbacks in this right. game." Yep, I'm going to give you the offense and let you, and I, you know, I'm going to be here with you, and I'm not going to just like let you do whatever you want, but like we're going to do it, you know, together, and I'm going to push you as hard as I can absolutely do it. That never happened here. It was always, you have to fit in with the new coach and the new this and the new that and someone else's bullshit scheme or whatever. Like, you have to fit around someone else. It was very rarely, you're the, you know, like, obviously he was being paid, like the guy or whatever, but like, (laughs) it always felt like Stafford had to, well, he'll just have to make it work around whatever stuff we're doing, changing or whatever, because, you know, whatever, he's so talented, he'll just figure out, like, it was never... It was Stafford's team, but it was, I don't know, it didn't, and some people would say that's partially his fault, and I, you know, I don't know if I would disagree with that either. Like, there were times where we would both say, like, I maybe he should be more vocal in certain situations. I don't know. That's out of his personality, but I just think it's cool to see that situation sort of unfold. You know, a really forward-thinking coach um, who is going to push him to the ends of time because he's a nerd, too. And I think that's what it is, right? Like McVeigh is a big time offensive football nerd who's going to go all the way into the weeds. And uh, that's what Stafford is. So he finally has a guy, I think, that's going to go there with him. And really, I think that those type of quarterbacks, the more you're, you listen to them, you know, I was listening to, again, to the Manning cast last night. 
the more you and Brady was on there, you get yeah. those guys, you get those guys around coaches who sort of let them be nerds, <laughs> and you are going to be like floored by the results. And I think that's what we're seeing a little bit with with Stafford. It's just hard sometimes to ID that, right? It's hard to ID, you know, what a guy, how deep a guy wants to go into the weeds or whatever. But yeah, kind of cool to see everything they're doing there looks fun and. um Hopefully for Stafford it works out. I mean, we'll see though. I guess hopefully for the Lions, maybe it doesn't. And they get the yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, I goes. think yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think, and that's probably what's annoying Lions fans when everyone yeah. sort of gushes over it is because he's <laughs> even watching him play like he's that's the same guy. I mean, it nothing's is. changed physically, and he it still is. missed the fourth and one throw that he missed. Yeah, uh, that's. You're sure gonna get did. some of those, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know. And at some point this season, he's. I mean, it hasn't really happened yet. A little bit in their lost Arizona, but he's probably going to have one late in a game that's yeah. going to kill that team in that game. He's also and, going to run himself into a violent sack that's going right, to possibly some take point. him out of the season. <laughs> and yeah, like it's going to be like, what are you doing? Like that kind of thing. Right, but I think it's right. I think it's more what you're saying that like <laughs> it's just that uh, this is really embracing everything that he can do mentally as much yes, as mentally. physically. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think like we saw the physical tools every single day for 12, 11, 12 years, but now you're seeing sort of everything being unlocked. And I think it is, cool. it is cool to see. And I do think it's okay Oh yeah, for people to root for Stafford and the Rams. Like, I, I don't think that no. there needs to be any debate over whether, you know, he left or he can't follow him anymore. I think people should be, Happy for him. and He gave and everything he well. had. He gave everything to this place he had. And if you don't see that, then you don't want to. And I think that's probably what I would say and leave on that one. If so, if there are people out there still, and we all love our buddy Jeff Rieger, who's running act is to make fun of Stafford all the time. But there are people <laughs> out there still, I think, who don't think Stafford was good. And it's like, guys, it's time to bury that one. Like, he was very good. Still is very good. And it was the Lions' fault, not his, that this didn't work out in complete totality. So it is what it is. Uh, cool to what? see, but um, I'm sure he's happy that's over with. My God, he was probably not uh, not enjoying that uh, that day, I would think, as much as he enjoys most football games. That was probably a hard one for right. him, I imagine. Yeah, I think that they both just wanted yeah. to get it over with. Uh, the Lions looked like, they, looked like they were having more fun than Stafford, but I yeah. <laughs> Stafford. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. What's the nicest stadium you've been to? I was actually thinking about that when you said that. I think it's the... Um, it's probably the the new uh, Minneapolis one or oh, okay. Jerry or Jerry World. Well, I've hang on now. I've been to Atlanta. <laughs> so the what are the newest of the new? I've been to the Atlanta. new Minneapolis, the new the new Vikings, like yeah. the pro stadium, right? Not the yes. new uh, the, the outdoor pro. like the pro University one, yeah. of Minnesota. Okay. The new. So I've been to the new Vikings. I've been to the new Falcons and Jerry World. I think are the three yeah. nicest I've probably been to. Okay. I is love this one Minnesota better than that? St- I love Minnesota Stadium is my favorite stadium I think that's that I've been one. to in the NFL. I haven't been. I've got like. Have you been to Atlanta? Small. I haven't been to the new Atlanta one. Uh, that's then there's pretty nice a couple too. like random stadiums that yeah. like places where I never went when I was at Sports Illustrated and the Lions haven't like Kansas City. I've never been to Kansas City. So oh, like just random. Right, like there's a yeah. handful of like four or five stadiums I haven't been to. But um i haven't been to the new atlanta one the lions play there the day after christmas so we'll see. oh that'll be fun we'll see if i'm going <laughs> to that this year um i have been to jerry world a couple times which it's yeah. uh both jerry for the still holds up I both say. for nfl and to watch uh michigan get mm-hmm. obliterated by alabama <laughs> down there the one year um i've also been there for a final four uh, game or a uh, sweet 16 game trey burks shot was there the yeah, Basketball games in those football venues is always a that was weird something. Experience. I tell you what, that was that was a night. That was like <laughs> when I think because they they played Kansas in there, and that was like when they had the court in the field, and it was one of the first times they did it in that stadium. And there was like forty thousand people there. It was a shitload of people, and they were all Kansas fans. But yeah. like the sound was so delayed, so like when Kansas would like make a basket, it'd be like. Three full seconds before you heard like a, <laughs> and it was like, what is going on? And it was also like 98 degrees in there for some reason. Just a weird day for basketball. But yeah, that's a lot of, a lot of cool new. I got to get to, I want to see the Vegas one though. Um, that one yeah, looks pretty, yep. that one looks weird enough to be cool. <laughs> I want to say like, kind of like the LA one. I also, I also, I, last time I was in LA, they were, uh, I think just wrapping up building it by the airport there. So. I do want to see that one. I mean, it's really, it is something. It's a spectacle to be there. And it's just like, I tweeted out a picture, 
you know, pregame, I like to walk around and go. Right. Uh, they don't let us on the field pregame, but I like to go to like the first row of the seats before right, uh, yeah. the fans get in there, get as close as you can. You can kind of overhear people talking and maybe, you know, grab someone and chat with them who is on the field. But yeah, I tweeted out a picture. I sat at the 50 and like the scoreboard, they had the halo the giant like halo scoreboard with the graphics on the outside of it and the inside of it. <laughs> oh and my God. on the inside of it, they had every NFL game that oh, was playing? going on in the one o'clock segment was, had its own box on the scoreboard. So I was just sitting there watching like <laughs> seven games at the 50 yard line. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some, Oh my God. I mean, it's, it's, amazing it's an amazing place i i don't know i've had this conversation with people before like even over even over like this the local stuff like little caesar's arena is super nice but i loved joe lewis because you like you went to the concourse to use the bathroom and grab a drink and that like then you you had to go back to your seat and watch the game there was nothing else (laughs) to do with something to be said for being there just for the event uh, yeah, I and, agree with that 100%. I am not a big fan of Little Caesars, to be honest. I thought it was I, – I'm not. I don't like those kind of – I know why people do, and yeah. that's fine. I mean, it's just not my – I prefer – I'm 100% with you on that. I'm just like – I actually like Ford Field for that reason a little bit because it's hmm. like – it's a little older. It's not old, but like in terms of new stadium builds. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's – It it's is old older. by comparison right? to some yeah, of these. So yeah. like, but it's also like it was built at a time when like – the the idea of the concourse being this whole thing was just kind of starting. So like Fort Field concourses are still like there's stuff. I you think know, they yeah they've tried to people. add some more. Yeah, as the right. there is. Gone. <laughs> there, there's a lot of stuff for people. And I'm not saying that there's not, but it's not so like ridiculous that you can't. You're not going to get lost out there. I mean, yeah. you, you know, it's time to go back and sit down. That's what I like about, and I think that over time that's sort of grown on me with Fort Field. But like, I agree the. The Jerry World stuff and like, you know, going into, you know, Atlanta, you got to walk through like 38 window panes and escalators and go, where are we? Where are we? Like you drive up to these stadiums and you're like, am I driving into an aircraft alien ship? (laughs) Like what is, you know, what the hell is going on here? And so it's just, it's a lot. I mean, and you look at the, I always look at the cost too. And I'm like, what is going on? What are we doing here? Right. Well, that was the, Uh, that was the thing Sunday. Cause I like, I was just wandering around cause I was trying to, you know, experience the stadium a little bit, but it's like you had every, literally every floor was its own thing. And you didn't wrap the, it doesn't wrap all the way around at certain parts. So I wandered like around the, on the third floor and then I got stuck and like had to come back and find the elevators again. Did I? Uh, and then like wandered out into this there's one of the floors had this uh there's like an open air like courtyard where if you went there you wouldn't have even known there was a football team in the vicinity of that stadium it was just like a beer garden with no no tvs or anything well i think that how about this though because the thing to remember now is that stadium is like what 10 miles from lax if that yeah yeah so it's in the middle of hell there's nothing there so like if you go to that stadium, you're spending eight hours there, whether you want to or not, because you're not getting out with traffic. Right. And you're going to have to. So that's very interesting that they've built in like sanctuaries for people to come to. <laughs> right. Because you can't leave because once you get there, it's like, well, I guess I can go sit in traffic or sit in traffic or sit here, I guess. For Yeah. Well, that hours. was uh, Jordan uh, <laughs> Rodriguez, uh, L.A. Yeah, writer. Yeah. Um, because it is that there's like there are a bunch of different lots I guess where you can park there, but it's basically like you know it's like going to the like you'd go to the Silverdome and you park in the lot and you'd be there for like four <laughs> hours when the game ended. And so there's yeah. some of that. She Jesus. told me yeah. going out there Sunday, she said like Lyft and Uber drivers won't take won't you to the it. stadium because oh they get God. stuck there forever. So I had to get dropped off at a Starbucks a mile away and then yeah. walk through and find my way there and then to get back out. Uh, Because they had everything, like, fenced off. I had to crawl through, like, a security gate. (laughs) And if the car hadn't found me, I don't know. I probably would have missed my flight. I don't know how I would have gotten home. The last time I was in the middle of nowhere. I'm telling you, the last time I was in L.A. and I was going to the airport to go home. And they were building that stadium. And my Uber driver said, no one is going to drive down here for this fucking stadium (laughs) when this thing opens up. And I'm like, you got that right. Because I remember I was like, why is it here? Like, yeah. it's, 
why is it here? But yeah, yeah. it's another another topic, I guess, for Los Angeles. Yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, right. That airport cool. can go straight to hell. Right by the to way. hell. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, all right, we got a couple minutes left here. I did want to. We're not going to have another show before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we will. We'll be recording on the trade deadline next week. So I, you know, this is. I don't know. It's kind of an interesting spot for the Lions because there are some places where you say, well, maybe you throw a pick and go try and find someone. They've done that a couple times now at wide receiver, but I don't know. They don't have a lot of mm-hmm. players that look like obvious no. you know, dumps. Um, we've talked about it a little bit. Like If you can find someone to take Trey Flowers' salary, like sure, yeah, have That's him. the only one um, I would, yeah. And I've mentioned Vitae because... Uh-huh. He's played tackle on a Super Bowl team, and now he's playing pretty well at guard, but that's right. another big contract. And a guy that I don't know, like at this point, I don't know that you'd even want to move, frankly. He's playing pretty well. Sewell yeah. loves him. Like, right. Maybe you want to keep him around. So I don't know. Is there anyone here that would be of interest to another franchise? I mean, I think Flowers is probably the best um, The best one. I mean, <sighs> Brockers... Maybe, but I don't even know if that's something you anyone know. would want down yeah. the road. Uh, Flowers is probably it, but it's like the, you know, the the money details in that situation seem really difficult. And I, that, and I don't even know if that's how realistic that is because, I mean, he's been hurt. He's been banged up. Like I don't I, think it is very realistic. I mean, I feel like, <laughs> maybe I feel like this off season, I feel like, right, maybe. And I feel like that would have maybe been realistic if he had like a really good first half, like a crazy first half and somebody was like. Right. Oh shit. Okay. Well, maybe we can bolster ourselves here, or whatever. But even then, I mean, he's not really a big time pass rusher. He's more of a scheme end. Um, you know, good player. You know, plays to run all those things. But like, he's not. You know, he's there's, not going to get you twelve sacks. That's not. I mean, there's be, one one team you know. you're probably calling, right? Yeah, New England. Right. And <laughs> call New gonna, England. And they're not going to pay you his. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to so, pay anything. So right. like, so I don't think that there really is. I mean, I I don't. You know, Vitae, I guess, would be the only other one that you'd probably. Simply because of like financial responsibility, I think you would have to probably listen if yeah. somebody wanted to do that. But again, I don't think that that same thing with flowers. But I don't think either of them would be, you know, whatever. I mean, if somebody wanted to come and grab like Nick Williams, I, I was going to say like <laughs> Williams or like I, guess, I mean you know. Charles Harris. I guess to some extent, if someone just wants a pass rusher and it's like here's a sixth what do you, rounder, yeah, but I don't not, know that I you want to even that, do that. Yeah, I think I'd rather have Charles Harris than the sixth rounder. Right now, yeah, because I, I right. still want to see maybe not Nick Williams. I think I, you know, no offense to Nick Williams, but I think if you want to give me a six rounder for someone like that, okay. But if you want to give me a six rounder for yeah Harris or Austin Bryant, no, I think I'd rather play it out a little bit. They've come this far with those guys as projects. That's kind of how I look at that. So yeah, that doesn't seem like it's uh, maybe going to well, be too active. But should I they guess, be unless they shopping at all? Like, should they be looking for, I mean, the Trinity Benson thing hasn't worked out, but I think that's sort of the range we're talking about here. Like, here's a late rounder for a guy that we kind of like. Is there any value to doing that at this point, or is it just ride it out for the next 10 games and and then deal with it? I think if you were going to do it, if you were going to take one, if you wanted to do anything to help yourself or splurge or whatever, given your injury situation, the receiver... I don't know how you would do it, <laughs> but like that would right. finding a way to yeah. help there would be would be something I I don't think I would like scream at them for, you know, like right now I I think I would yell at them for a lot of things if they were giving up resources in a lot of areas, right? Like, and I look at safety even, and I rip my teeth and say I still would really like to see Tracy Walker get to play next to a really good safety, but I don't want them to spend money right now on that. Walker's playing really well anyway. Whatever, leave it alone. Like defense is figuring it out. Receiver, though, is the one that you're like, you could, you know, make life easier on yourself to where you're not getting your heart ripped out every week. Maybe if you had like (laughs) one guy out there who could go make something happen. But like at the same time, well, you probably have to give up something decent for that, I would think. And is that worth it? You know, I don't think so. So like it's that'd be a tough line to walk, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I I think we're both expecting it to be pretty quiet it usually is we always talk about the trade deadline and then yeah. most years it kind of comes and goes um and i would be surprised if they yeah <laughs> i would be surprised if there's anything happening for the lions this year there just aren't a lot of i mean yeah they do have a bunch of guys that are on one-year deals but 
Some of them, I mean, I asked Campbell Monday, like Alex Anzalone and Khalif Raymond, like oh, yeah, I think they want right. those guys back for yeah, next year. Happened. I mean, yeah. they right. haven't said it out loud, but I mean, those I mean, are guys that they are going to be looking at to bring we back. Didn't, so we didn't mention Anzalone. Did, that, that was maybe his best game. He played great. The, and yep. I would also say we talked to Derek Barnes on Friday, and um, uh, you were, I think, in travel or whatever. So I, I went out Friday, and you weren't out there. But he Barnes said, and I tweeted it. Uh, if you're looking for any more whatever about what Anzalone's given this team and not given this team, Barnes said that in the last couple of weeks, Anzalone's basically told him, I am demanding that you make every call on the field with me in every situation that we do, <laughs> yeah. because one day, Derek, you are going to be doing this. And all I could think was when we sat with Aaron Glenn back in May or June or whenever it was and said, like, do you think Anzalone can be a guy that takes someone like Derek Barnes under his wing unselfishly and teaches him what you want him to learn. And I, you remember Aaron Glenn yep. didn't even blink. He was like, that's why he's here. Yep. And boom, you're seeing it now. And I think that those things are the things that we tried to sort of illustrate. And they were hard to illustrate back in the summer because you couldn't say it without seeing it. And now I think that's another example of you're seeing it. Anzalone's not going anywhere. There might be somebody who would maybe want to take a shot at him for nothing for a sixth or seventh round pick, but no, he's one where he's worth, what you're get, what you're getting from him, not only on the field, but like developmentally with other guys, you have to keep those type of guys in in house, and they've got a few of them right now, and I think that's super important to uh, remember here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's entirely possible. And I don't want to go too down too far down yeah. this rabbit hole right now, but I think it's entirely possible that if you bring in one more like elite pass rusher, and we know where they're at, they are in the draft right now, that they could have a shot at one or two of those guys. That this yeah. front seven might not look oh. that much different next year than it does right now. Like, I think Anzalone, Reeves, Mabin, Barnes, I think they like all those guys. I think they like a lot of what's happening up front. And so that's a good sign, too. Like, some of this yeah. stuff is settling in where you could say, where you look at it and say, all right, well, next year, this doesn't need to change. We don't need to overhaul this. Right. This looks all right. It's starting yeah. to come along. And that's a big spot. Anzalone, I think you're right. That was his best game. Campbell said it was his best game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think one of the, the other thing Glenn said when we talked to him back then was like, I think last year, you know, Anzalone was still trying to figure out he'd had some shoulder stuff. He wasn't playing like at full speed all the time. I think that was one of the things Glenn yeah. said, like if yeah. we can get him playing, Off the you shoulder, know, just, yeah. just letting it loose out there and being fully confident in how he's feeling, you're going to see a different type of player. And I think that like right. that's showing up now, like he, he's, he looked legit on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. That's been uh, it's been good from a leadership standpoint. I think that's that's uh, that's there across the board on this team. It's hard to ignore it for sure. All right, so we uh, we got the Brendan Quinn Bowl on Sunday with the <laughs> Eagles coming into town. Uh, is this could be the one, right? Yeah, Maybe? I think so. I think this I think this could be the one, but I am not picking it because the last time I yeah, picked I'm not the game them anymore. I am never picking another game. I got all these Bears fans and my mentions. Oh, I can't believe you thought the Lions were better than the Bears. And I'm like, like the Bears are such a good football team that we couldn't have acted like, how dare. But no, the Brennan Quinn Bowl, I do think this is one they can get. And I think that it's one that uh, I don't want to say like they're gonna be not happy with themselves. If they go, they got to play well this week. How about that? Yeah, of course. They got to play well. They're going into a bye. But it's a winnable game. With a team they can beat, yep. they need to play well. And if Philly comes out and plays really well too, fine. But they need to play very well. They need to play as well as they did last week. How about that? And then go into the bye, get some you know good mojo about yourself, and let the second half be the second half. But like that's, I don't know what this is going to be if they play like crap and go into, that's right. going to be hard. If they play like they did it in Cincinnati, and go into a bye, that is going to be a challenge uh, for Dan Campbell. Right. Well, that's what if you get the effort you got in LA, I think I, I'm not going to pick them because I've, I'm over two this year. But I, yeah, yeah, right. I agree. They will be in a spot to win this game in the fourth quarter if they play like they did effort wise yeah. against the Rams because I think the Eagles are reeling a little bit right now. I think the Lions actually match up fairly well with them in a lot of spots. And, yeah, I agree. You look ahead and like, you know, the schedule after the bye isn't super friendly either. So you would like to get this one 
Yeah. People would feel a lot better in that building if you go into the buy off a win just to have something, some proof that all this hard work they're putting in is is paying off. And yeah, I agree. Kind of feels like they're due, but I guess we'll see. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> we will see. Uh, <laughs> like I said, we'll be back uh, next Tuesday for another show right at the trade deadline. Um, again, not expecting the Lions to be super active there, but if something comes down, we'll obviously have that uh, covered on the athletic. Uh, Keep your eyes out, too. Got a cool story coming with TJ Hawkinson this week. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, head over to, the, over to theathletic.com, and and uh, you can find whatever uh, sign-up offers we got going on right now. You can get the show ad-free on the Athletic app, too, so make sure you look for one of these years. And if you're not a subscriber or you just want to listen on a different uh, podcast platform, we've always got you at uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts. So Michigan, Michigan State Week. Here we go. Oh boy, yeah. What's your? Are you making pick for that game? Oh, my pro- oh god. Not I yet. Probably, Is it too uh, early in the week? It's not TBD. 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 <laughs> I don't want to, uh, one of the fan bases to be screaming at you for the next five days. So I'll let you. I'll let you off the hook. Uh, but yeah, that'll be fun. Hopefully, uh, yeah, that should be. I think it'll be fun. I don't I know. Maybe so. you'll- <laughs> yeah. we've earned it. I'd say. Yes. A lot of attention on it, for sure. So, uh, all right. Yeah, so we'll be back uh, next week with our next episode. And, again, make sure you go rate us, review us, subscribe. So, for Nick, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.